Hi, Mingasan Konnichiwa, and welcome to the Board Game Dojo, where we use science and history to learn more about board games and the people who play them. Well, hmm, I think I might have to change that for today. Hmm, let me try that again. Mingasan Konnichiwa, and welcome to the Board Game Dojo, where we use communication to learn more about board games and the people who develop them. I cannot be more excited to have my first guest that I will ever have on the show, and hopefully not the last, but I guess we're going to see how this one goes. He has called himself the editor. And developer uh, at Portland Game Collective, which is a phenomenal company who put out uh, last year's Bridge City Poker. They are currently fulfilling 535. And in fact, I just got my shipping notification for it today. So I'm excited about that one. And I've already announced that they are going to be releasing the out of print, the long out of print classic trick taker Haggis and the notoriously hard to get and kind of annoying to paste up trick takers, Ryan Campbell. Ryan, thank you so much for coming today. I really appreciate you taking the time out to join us. Absolutely, I'm very excited to be here and to be able to talk about all these games that you're you're mentioning here. I know you're excited and I'm just excited as well. And, this, and then I'm going to say it just before we get too far into it, that this is going to be available on YouTube and on whatever podcast player that you are using. And I will put a link to the other media into the show description, episode description. So if the other medium is more your style and you're only a subscriber of one of those things, well, wait, first of all, what are you doing? Go subscribe to the other thing. But you can check it out at your preferred medium. So let's just get it out of the way because I think it's the most important question that everybody is wondering. Ryan, what are the names are your, of your dogs? How old are they and what species? Yes, yeah, so I do have two dogs and I know in, in preparation for this uh, recording, I had to make sure that they were in another room because they do love to bark and, and make <laughs> recording things very difficult. Um, so the two of them, there are Diego and River and they are around six and five years old, not 100% sure we did rescue both of them when they were around one, one and a half years old. Oh, wow. Um, but they, yeah, they are both Chihuahua mixes. So again, very yappy, very loud. <laughs> so it can be problematic, but they are very cute and, and absolutely love to be pampered. Uh, you sent me photos of them before and they're so cute. They're so yes. cute. I might have to yeah. find a way to post a picture of them somewhere so that the audience can see them. But more into getting into the crux of, I think, uh, why you're here and why hopefully the listeners are here as well. Uh, first of all, well, where do you want to start? Do you want to start more on the personal questions or more on the PGC questions? Because I guess, well, I guess they overlap into both, huh? Yeah, I mean, I think each each one kind of intersects with each other. So kind of wherever you want to direct them is fine with me. Sure. Well, I mean, hmm. Well, let's start with then let's go back before PGC then, at least I assume. So how did you get into gaming in the first place? What is your uh, gaming story, I suppose? Yeah, that's always a great question. Obviously, with everybody, it's always slightly different. Uh, you know, of course, there's there's always the you know growing up as a kid with the family. What did my parents and one of my family introduce to me? We always played Trouble, Sorry, kind of those... Monopoly, uh, you know, style type Parker yeah. Brothers games. Oh, yeah. You know, th those classics. Um, and then in college is when I started to get into the more, you know, mainstream hobby type games, but still gateway games, Risk, uh, Tickets to Ride, Carcassonne, things like that. So it was probably, what, 
2012 when I really got into the hobby, which was around the college years. But I'd say the deep, deep dive was probably around 2016 when I moved to Pittsburgh, which is where I currently live now. Uh, when I moved here, the uh, local game store to me, uh, Games Unlimited, was a like three-minute walk from where I lived, which was Ooh. super great. Amazing. I don't and know if that's good or dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little bit of both for sure. <laughs> Because uh, I used to work downtown in Pittsburgh, and the bus that I would take home was on the bus line that like went from where I lived and into Games Unlimited. So I'd usually uh, take the stop right before, go and drop by Games Unlimited, and you know browse and talk with the people there, and oh, ultimately sure. probably buy something, <laughs> which was always bad, but well, that, always great. So say la vie. that just happens. Yeah. So that was certainly uh, the the push forward that kind of got me into the hobby, like aggressively uh, having a, a game store so close to me made it really easy to do. So was there something that um, led you to go from being into games to joining a company that uh, develops games? Because wh- where's the the path that it was there? And from now on, I think, is, do I, can I call it PGC or do you want me to call it the full name? Is there a different acronym you guys use? That no, like, makes me sound P- cool. <laughs> no, no, P- <laughs> PGC is perfect. Yeah, Portland Game Collective, to simplify it, PGC is perfectly fine. So it's, it's certainly a mouthful otherwise. <laughs> it's actually kind of a funny story how I ended up becoming a part of PGC and, and how I met Lee, kind of the half owner of the company. Uh, so it, obviously, again, as I said, you know, going to my local game store and, and getting bigger into the hobby, then of course led me down to, you know, searching on the internet and trying to find other people that were a part of this and trying to find other people that I might be able to play games with. And looking into the trick-taking and card game world, is is what sort of pushed me to that because while games unlimited was obviously a great store they didn't really have a lot of what i'm now into at this point which is the japanese trick-taking games and things like that so there is on reddit uh, a specific trick-taking games subreddit and yeah and at one point uh, somebody on there had messaged, show me your pictures of all your trick-taking games. Show us your collection. Let's see what you have. And one person, uh, spoiler, was Lee. Hmm, I was like, mm, I think I know. <laughs> yeah. Had took, uh, they took a picture of all of their games, and Bridge City Poker was one of the games that was on there. And this was back in, I want to say, August of 2021. Um, yeah. So, but before the Kickstarter of Bridge City Poker had even come about, so nobody had this game wasn't actually out available to the public, but this game was in, in their picture. And so I asked, where did you get that? How did you get a hold of it? You know, I'm, I'm very curious. And again, at this point, that person was Lee, the designer of the game, and had said, actually, you know, I'm the designer. This is my game. It's a prototype copy. And I- I'm so glad that you noticed it. Like, that's so amazing. It's coming to Kickstarter in a few months. Uh, I would love for you to be able to play test it if you have a chance. And at that point, he sent me a link to the playing cards bio room. And I was able to play a game with him 
uh, and a couple other people a couple days later. And I, I immediately fell in love with it. And at that point, told him that like, I'm on board. I, I love this game. I want to make a, a print and play version because at, at the time, being a smaller company that PGC was, it's harder to ship games outside of the US. It, it's mm-hmm. a little bit, you know, when there's only two or three people, it, it's harder to get this game to more people. And when the Kickstarter went live, there wasn't really an option besides just getting the game. And I had asked him if he'd be okay with making a print and play copy. And he said, yes. So I helped him make that. And it, it just kind of led from there. I started DMing him and eventually it just became the, Hey, do you want to keep helping me do this? And I said, like, yeah. So yeah, super cool. All based on a curiosity that it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And if you are interested, the listeners, if you are interested in uh, meeting some people that are really into trick takers and things, PGC actually hosts a phenomenal Discord that I'm on. Uh, Ryan's on. Lee, the person that we keep mentioning, is on there. And I'll put a link to that Discord down below because so, there's always a community chatting around it. There's always people looking to play games and things like that. And I think it's a phenomenal community. That's actually how I got in touch with Ryan here today. So yeah. well, that's amazing though. That So you talk about that it's it's hard to get games outside of the US, but now your latest Kickstarter actually is you doing the complete opposite. Is you're bringing a game from outside the US into it. And it's a game that a lot of people from the US have not been able to get. It's actually an older design by the same person as Dog Tag Trick, which is another uh, trick-taking favorite. So how exactly does that go? I mean, because... Just that one designer has a huge catalog. Now put on top of it, all the games that are in Japan, South Korea, Taiwan, they all love trickers, takers over there. They all love card games. So um, how do you decide on what games to bring in and what does that process look like? Yeah, that. so <laughs> honestly, it, it's kind of a pretty straightforward answer. And it, honestly, it's the game that we love. We, we want to show it off to more people. So the game that you're sort of mentioning here is, is 535 and mm-hmm. Kenichi Kabuki has made plenty of games and 535 is one that we felt wasn't getting enough love overall. Obviously oh. there are still plenty of people that are enjoying this game. So I, I don't want to make it sound like nobody's in, is, is in love with it. Cause clearly just from our, you know, bringing it over, in making it available to the English market has shown so much support for it. But that's kind of our idea is we really want to continue to bring these games that uh, while they're originally getting uh, produced in the, the Japanese market and, and getting smaller print runs from smaller publishers or just the designer who's making their own, you know, hand, you know, made copies and, and seeing how many people keep asking, where can I buy this game? Where can I buy this game? How do I get a mm-hmm. hold of it? Mm-hmm. And, and just, it's always heartbreaking to be like, oh, it's not available. So the fact that we can make it available again is amazing. And, and I think that's what we are trying to do as, as PGC, as a, as a publisher, is locate those games that we know a lot of people love but are having a hard time trying to find. Uh, and, and so that's where, where 535 comes into play is 
it's a game that I know Lee specifically even made a challenge for himself to play it 535 times, <laughs> which and, is so uh, how's that going? Uh, I think he's at like 67 or something right now. So still Very far close. away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the, the fact that like, that's a thing that he wants to do because this game is that good and, and wants to be able to show it off to other people that maybe inspire them to make a challenge to play it 535 times <laughs> would be super cool. So to try and answer that question in a simplified way is it's again, whatever game that we are really enjoying and, and we feel like deserves the love for more people is, is what we're looking to, to publish. And then I think 535 fit that perfectly. And I think 535 is such an interesting game because like for like living in Japan, I, it, usually I'm able to find a used copy somewhere. And so I've introduced this to a lot of new people and, you know, it's just so free. There's so many things you can do with it. And I, it made me wonder about, okay, so bridge city poker was the first release from PGC and I'm, it's not a like difficult to grasp game. It's not, we're not talking about like glory to Rome. We're not talking about a Vital Lacerda game here, but it definitely has some like powers that can make, you know, mm-hmm. make, make the game just kind of turn on its head and can be kind of, like for new players that have never played uh, a shedding game before, it can be kind of a a little bit. But for five three five, I think it's one of the most approachable climbing shedding games that there is. Is that something that you guys look at when you're like, okay, well, we already have kind of one that's you know works for newbies, but isn't there? And then next we're gonna do you know five three five because it's just so good for new people to introduce them to the hobby that we love. Is that something you think about or not really? No, I I think in some way it is because as far as as Bridge City Poker goes, which was of course the the first game that that uh, the Portland Game Collective had made, the idea of Bridge City Poker was to sort of be an introduction to trick taking and climbing shedding games all together mm. because it, it mashes all three of those style of games into one game, which is fantastic. And I, I will say, I mean, as I mentioned in my story of how I met Lee, the Bridge City Poker was already designed before I met him. So I had little development or, or touches in regards to that game. But as far as kind of going from there and, and what we wanted to pick as our next games, I, I was able to be a part of, which was great. But I think that's where 535 was a perfect fit for us because of, like you said, having 535 being a game that has so many options available for what you can play. It's a really good introduction to the climbing shedding game style that, that people can have that I think 535 sits very well with bridge city poker. Um, in the regards to to games that people would look for in, in these kind of card games. And for those who don't know what 535 is, and you can you can help me along with this a little bit because uh, you know, you're probably more qualified to do it than that is. But I think the kind of hook to it, if you will, is that you know, a typical climber, if I were to play one one and you know, you would just need to play something higher and then you know we'd go around the circle and maybe I'd play Maybe by the time it gets to me, there'd be like two nines on the table. And, you know, for other ones, maybe I couldn't beat that. And so I'd have to pass. But in five, three, five, I could, if I have a nine in my hand, I could just add to it. And it'd be like, I just played three nines. 
And so it just completely opens up the possibilities for this game because you'll actually get your starting hand and go, um, is this good or not? We're going to see. We're going to find out shortly. So I, it's it's a phenomenal game. I'm so happy that more people are going to get a chance to uh, play it because I have used it as an introductory game for years. And Yeah, no, I, I think just the adding aspect makes it so friendly. So as you mentioned, like if there's a pair of nines in the table, being able to add a single nine to make it triple nines is just like, it's mind-blowingly cool. Because normally you have to look at your hands and decide, okay, this has to be a single, this has to be pairs, this has to be a run. And it's like, if you've never played a climbing game before, that can be really daunting, trying to figure out, okay, what do I section off my hand to do? But with 535, the fact that you can beat and add makes it that you don't have to like figure everything out before the hands even started. You can sort of go on the fly mm-hmm. and be like, okay, well, now there's 14s. This 14 I have in my hand wasn't going to pair well with anything. Let's just add it. And maybe you win with it, the trick with it. And then all of a sudden you can start leading. And yeah, it's just it's very friendly and it's very dynamic and it's great. Yeah, and it really makes it a, a really fun game for people who are experienced as well to just see how that develops. But also with new players, because it's just like, okay, hey, don't worry about it. If you can't beat the two nines, you know, just add one. It's it's great. But speaking of which, let's let's go a little bit um off the the PGC bandwagon for a sec, because we thought it'd be a great idea since 535 is fulfilling to play a little game with you called 535. But instead, we're just gonna ask you a category and we're gonna ask for five of the first thing, three of the second thing, and five of the third thing. 535. I know, very clever name. This is why they pay me the big bucks to... Oh, wait, no, I'm not monetized at all, so never mind. This is why I'm free, maybe. Um, <laughs> so I let's do... big bucks. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start with the first one. Let's see. Five games that you cannot live without. Ooh. I, I'm, I kind of stole this of like five games for, Doom, for Doomsday a yeah. little bit, but yeah, no, five games but, you cannot live without. Okay, no, so that's a great question. Now, I guess... Before I answer, is that specifically trick-taking card games or like anything? Anything. 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 Okay. And let's assume that like you yeah. have the number of players you need to play it and anything and like that. You're not like perfect buried. player count. <laughs> yeah, you're not buried solo in some kind of like nuclear fallout somewhere in the thing, and you're just gonna be playing Mage Knight for 20 years. Yeah. Probably okay. taking those 20 years to figure out the rules of Mage Knight. No, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh well, I think first off. Plains of Caledonia. That's that's an easy answer mm. for me. That is my number one game of all time. Has been since it came out. I cannot get enough of it. Super excited for the expansion. I don't know if anybody knows, but there's an expansion been announced. I am on the Karma Games Discord server to help play test and do a lot of stuff. Ooh. Super duper excited to, to help with that. But yeah, Plains of Caledonia. Easy answer is my first one. I was just going to ask, though, about like, oh, you saw the announcement then? <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. 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 I backed that mini, I guess, Kickstarter, they called it. They're trying to do the thing where they can get a bunch of Kickstarters going so that they can. Oh. When they, yeah. When they finally get the expansion, they also have a couple other games that are coming from them. They want to be able to do them all at once. And I know they're trying to just do like quick little uh, Kickstarters to be able to make that happen. But I, I did back that one for the expansion. So I know... Most of the clans are available on Tabletop Simulator to be able to play. And I told a couple of my local friends, so I should probably be able to get a couple games into that pretty soon. 
Okay, that's a that's a good one. That's a good one. I haven't played it yet, mm-hmm. but I've heard phenomenal things about it. And since it's been out of print, it's like, oh man, getting a copy is yeah. harder than getting trick takers, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is, is surprising. But I mean, you know, it, in the board game hobby, just in general, that, that kind of happens. A lot of games ebb and flow with availability and you just never know what game. That's like the, that's a big thing, and that's kind of a whole conversation we could spend many a time on. So I don't want to do yeah, that. Yeah, but I need to get to your number two because I asked you for five. We're still talking yes, about number one. True, true, true. Okay, that's, 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 that's my going. fault Sorry. though. That's my yes. fault though. Number two. What's number two? Yes. Number two would be the Great Zimbabwe. Oh, uh, great choice. Yes. So Clans of Caledonia and the Great Zimbabwe always flip flop for my number one game of all of all time. It honestly depends on which one I've played most recently. We'll sort of determine which is my number one, but they are both just so good. I will always say yes to them. And the Great Zimbabwe just never disappoints. An excellent spotter. Excellent spotter. Yes. All right. Number three. Uh, These aren't in any order, so you don't have to rate them or anything. No, that's them. totally fun. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, ooh, number three. I'd probably say Marvel Champions. Uh, okay. And yeah, and, and that's probably because the new stuff just released, the uh, mm-hmm. Gambit and Rogue uh, decks are available as of today. And I have um, a weekly sort of campaign with one of my friends here. Every Thursday, we play Marvel Champions. And we just pull out a new hero and pull out a new villain and just try and get through and then just kind of rotate that through as we go. And with the new stuff, it's... Obviously, I'm very excited for that, and I never get tired of that game. So, always up for a game of Marvel Champions. Nice. So, so two of the three I have not played yet, so I'm excited. I already okay. like this list. It's getting cool because I'll yeah. be like, "All right, yeah, I got to, I got to play this. I got to play this." All right, number four. Great. I think at this point we should probably go into trick taking. <laughs> oh, and, oh, at this point. <laughs> yes, and and I think the next one is probably going to be my number one trick taking game of all time, which is Schadenfreude. Oh, and all right. All so right. I, I have a million things that I say about this game, but to keep it brief, to keep going through the games, John Freuda is just so good because it, it does so many things all at once in a trick-taking game. While it's not truly an official trick avoidance game, depending on how much you have at your points, you want to avoid tricks, but if you're too low on points, you want to take tricks. So the fact that this game can be a trick-taking and trick-avoidance game all in one, but it's variable depending on where you are in the game is just super neat to me. I I think that if I were to create a list of like five games that I think, okay, if it was up to the PGC community of what games PGC would bring Next, Schadenfreude would have to be in that top five. The community just absolutely loves it. And I mean, it's a great game. I have to agree. Yeah. I, I mean, I, not to try and like say anything about what uh, what will come in the future, but I, I'm sure I could easily be convinced to make that one of the huh. next BGC games. Ooh, board game yeah. dojo exclusive breaking news? <laughs> huh? <laughs> uh, I don't know about that, but, but maybe. Well, you, know, you never know what's going right. to happen. So but no, well, I don't that, want somebody else to get it first because I have shot <laughs> and I want to beat them. So <laughs> yes. Yeah, and yeah. number five, round out the list for us. Yeah. So I 
I, hmm, I, I, I want to say Yokai Septet, but I also want to say Trick Takers. Well, that is a little bit of cheating. I'm pretty sure that it's, that would be six. Yes, but if, if I was to pick one between the two, I feel like I'd have to go Trick Takers. Uh, they are company man. Yes, obviously BGC <laughs> helping produce the English version of that game is going to help that. But the fact that that game can play more players is the reason why it might yeah. be out Yokai. Because to me yeah. personally, Yokai Septet is a four-player game. Trick Takers mm. is a three to five player game. All player counts work. Sure, some characters might be a little bit better than others, but it always works well to their counts. Yeah, and I mean, it's like you said too, like you guys are bringing games that you absolutely love. So the fact that, you know, <laughs> yeah, make, makes total sense. All right. So kind of talking about like Trick Takers, Trick Takers specifically, I am so interested in, like I completely understand why you would choose it. It's um, like to bring it. And 535, same thing. But I think the thing that I just can't wrap my head around is what is the process of actually bringing the game here? Is it just the matter of asking the designer, like, hey, do we have permission to reprint this in English? Like, uh, what does that look like? Especially now that, you know, Trick Takers actually has a different version on Kickstarter now as well, I think. Mm -hmm. It's a slightly different game though, right? Yeah, so so Kings is what is available on Kickstarter right now, which is set within the Trick Takers universe, but is a completely different game. Ah, okay. Like, yeah, if you were to play base Trick Takers and play Kings, you would have a 100% different experience. Okay, I think uh, that's been some confusion, so I'm happy to hear you say that. Yeah, no, totally. The, the characters that exist in the original Trick Takers games still continue to exist in, in the Kings game, so you might see some similarities and art similarities between them, how the game plays and overall is very different for sure. Okay. So then how do you get that game? Like, okay, hey, you know, do you just walk up to the to the designer of Trick Takers and go, hi, can I uh, make your game in English? Like, what is the process of getting it from there to development and then to people in English? Yeah, so I guess every game is a little bit different. So to answer for Trick Takers is specific to kind of the whole situation of how that even came about. When Trick Takers itself originally came out, obviously there, there's a lot of Japanese in that game, not alone, just let alone the rule book, but also the cards that are required for the characters and everything else. There's a lot that requires translation to another language. And there was probably six to eight months where Trick Takers was available to everybody. And at the point of the PGC Discord, maybe three or four people owned it, but it never played it. Because again, there was so much to translate. It was a lot to, to ask for. And yeah. me personally, I kept saying, does anybody have English translations for this? Does anyone have English translations? Did anybody do the character based on this? Just constantly trying to ask anybody to like figure out, because I didn't own it at this point. And after about eight months, I just gave up and was like, you know what? I'm going to buy the game myself. And I'm going to do all the translations. I'm going to go through the rule book and go through the characters and do all my own pay stops. And that's where Trick Takers started for PGC. Because at that point, Hirokin, which is the designer of Trick Takers, uh, wasn't really a part of the PGC Discord or kind of any connection with us at that point. 
but I had done all of the paste-ups and, and all the work for it and started to post it to people and say, hey, you know, this game's now available in, in English <laughs> to be able to play. Right. And obviously word got out to Hirokin that that was done. And slowly but surely, he eventually joined the PGC Discord. And we made a little thread within the Trick Taking Games channel of specifically just the Trick Takers game. And he was very active in it. And I was able to sort of help answer questions that people had along with Roken, which to try and keep the story short here, allowed me to then sort of have a direct messaging with Roken himself and be like, hey, I'm the one who made the paste-ups. I absolutely love this game. It is amazing. I can't stop thinking about it. I want to know more about it. Please give me more information. And then he started to DM me back and it just kind of sort of slowly snowballed into, hey, can PGC make an official English version of this game? And he was like, yeah, absolutely. I would love that. Wow. Again, it's just something that's born out of just like, you, you were a little bit curious and you just took it. I mean, yeah. I, I'm just kind of blown away too. <laughs> To be to be honest, you know, I'm kind of always so shy to kind of talk to people, uh, especially like uh, people of who has designed a game that I really really like. Uh, I think the uh, Sean Ross, the designer of Haggis, like uh, tweeted about our podcast last week. Yeah. Oh no, he tweeted yeah. about our YouTube video that we did last week, and yeah, I literally so the listened- combo tracks. Yeah. And I just like responded like, this is a dream. He's like, I'm just a nobody on the internet. What are you talking about? I'm like, oh, I just made that awkward. Awesome. (laughs) Sweet. Never doing that again. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No, it's so surreal though, right? Like it's sort of like you want to be a part of it all. And so you want to find a way to like get within contact of them and and find a way to do it. But at the same time, it just feels so weird. It just feels like, I, I don't know, like, you're so amazing and so awesome and you make all these games and I'm just a nobody. Like, how do I do this? <laughs> it's like starstruck, but it's just from like yeah. Taiki Shinzawa. We all just like fall over because we don't know how to yeah. deal with, with it. 100%. So I guess I, there's a bit off the cuff, but was there a game that actually got you into starting to look into Japan or South Korea for card games, trick takers, whatever it might be? Was there a game that really got you into it? I, yeah, I think Time Palatrix, which ah. at this point, yeah, it, it has been rethemed as Ghost of Christmas for most people who are probably aware of it from all mm-hmm. play uh, at this point. But that was a Taiki Shinsawa game that when it first came out, just like blew me away. Uh, I'd been familiar with trick taking games and had shown a couple to my friends, but most of you know, my gaming group had been the Euro games and uh, Lacerda games, etc. So to experience a game like Time Palatrix and to just see what trick-taking can do was, it was mind-blowing. And it still is. Like, it's, it's still a great game, and I, and I absolutely love it. And there's certainly, uh, you know, a spot in my heart that, that shows for that game. And I'm glad it, it got reprinted as, as Ghost of Christmas and it's getting more love because it's it's just a really unique trick-taking game. Yeah, I think I think Ghost of Christmas and 
cat in the box now that it's more available are have been the two that I think I've been hearing more of lately of yeah. whoa, what is these trick takers that are suddenly coming out? Like what is going on? I think I've heard both of those come up in other podcasts a lot recently. Yeah, it's amazing. And I know with a few different people, a few different reviewers have started to say like there's a trick taking renaissance happening. I just, oh, what podcast? I think we must have listened to the same yeah. one. Was it so very wrong about games? Was that it? It might have been. And I know, I think Dice Tower said it as well at some point. Um, but like the fact that there's multiple podcasts and multiple like big time reviewers saying it is amazing. I'm so excited that so many more people are starting to get into trick taking games. It's definitely great for the community because it it gives you a chance to bring in more games like five, three, five and like, (laughs) Hey, like people come on over, like take a look. Yeah. Yeah. The, so sale, which is a retheme of Hamlin cave. Yeah. uh, was the number one hotness on BGG about a week or two ago at this point. And it's still like within the top 10 of hotness and like, it's just getting so much buzz. A lot of people are looking at it and it's, it's amazing. The fact that a trick taking game can be on a lot of people's lists of games to look out for when normally a lot of trick taking games that are just so good, but keep getting sort of pushed to the side and are getting missed it's just it's so great to be able to see a lot of these games coming to the the main public in the board gaming hobby wow yeah that's yeah another one i I forgot about sale actually because i'm like trying to forget about it because like my wallet cannot afford to keep like getting excited about all these new games oh yeah with with all these new games that are coming what is in your experience uh the biggest difficulty the most difficult thing of developing games so i mean you've you said you worked on the print and play for bridge city poker uh you helped in the development for 535 and now you kind of have done uh you started with the paste ups and now you're working on trick takers what is the most difficult thing of developing a game like that and really getting it to retail for everybody to enjoy because it can't be an easy process for sure yeah i mean Honestly, the hardest part is just translations. Coming from Japanese to English, me personally, I I don't know Japanese at all. So any amount of translation I'm doing is required from Google Lens or DeepL or any one of the translation sites that I can use. And because... Japanese to English isn't always the best translation. Like it's a hard language. I mean, English in in general is a hard language and I can only imagine Japanese just from the characters and, and all the different things must also be a hard language. So two hard languages trying to translate to each other is just a disaster asking, you know, to be, to be made. So any kind of development comes from that. I, I know and this is sort of going on another little mini tangent here, but no worries. Yeah. Rules in the board gaming world in general is always a hot topic. The like, yeah. Oh, you got this rule wrong. The game would have played completely different if we had done it the right way or whatever. I can't believe you messed the rules up, whatever. Like it, it's always a thing to make sure you get the rules right. Whenever you play a game. And for me personally, I just want to make sure everyone has fun. As long as you are enjoying the game, if you got a couple of rules wrong, that's fine. You now know the new rule. 
play with it that way. But as long as everyone enjoys it, that's okay. And with these card games, you know, trick-taking games and everything, the rule set is usually so small that if you get one of those rules wrong, it's a big mm. difference mm-hmm. in how mm-hmm. the game plays. So making sure that the rules are written correctly, and, and again, development here with the English rules, making sure that the translation is, is correct, is always a big task. Because you want to make sure that everybody who's getting this game plays it to the best ability they can the first time through. Because again, if, if you know the rules are a little ambiguous, it, it can cause chaos. <laughs> sure. I mean, yeah, you don't think about like how, you know, for these big grandiose games, yeah, these little small things, but like even for 535, if you just like uh, mistranslate or forget the rule of like, you can only play three cards. And so suddenly somebody's trying to play all four sevens at the same time. It's like, whoa, 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 you can't do that. But if you miss that, it could fundamentally change the outlook of the game. Yeah. So let's get back to knowing you as also a little bit. We're going to step away from board games for a second because you do live in the great city of Pittsburgh. I can say that because that's where I went to elementary school. We were actually not okay. too far away. You're about 20 minutes from where I was, uh, okay. where I was a kid. Uh, what are three things in Pittsburgh that people should do? Because it's, I mean, besides eating yeah. things with Heinz ketchup on everything. <laughs> yes. I think Heinz ketchup and pierogies are probably the two oh, things you should. You could put ketchup on your pierogies and then you're, you're a true Pittsburgher. hundred percent. And toss some fries <laughs> on it and you're golden. Done. Done. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, well, I think one of the things, if you're coming to Pittsburgh, now that we've offended out. everybody from Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah, right? Just say yins and you're fine. Oh, no. <laughs> um, but no, I, I feel like one of the places I would, if somebody came to visit me and was like, hey, I'm only here for the weekend, where do you want to take me? I would sure. probably say going to the Phipps Conservatory is mm. a beautiful place to go to. Uh, so the Phipps Conservatory is uh, plants and flowers and stuff like that. It's just a really big uh, garden or greenhouse, I guess, because um, it's inside and outside. You can go depending on the, the time of the year you're here uh, when you can visit. But the inside part is always available no matter the time of the year. And they'll do different types of things and they'll have uh, different showcases or whatever it might be. So it, no matter when you go, it's always a great time. So I, I think that's probably one place I would certainly shout out. Uh, as far as two other places, I, I mean, I feel like war game related, I got to keep with it. I'd probably say check out my local game store, Games Unlimited. Well, they're they pretty limited. Fans. They don't have other some trick takers, so I don't know. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> that was a bad I'm, joke. I'm sorry. Don't <laughs> encourage me to do that. <laughs> No, that's fine. So they, for the longest time, used to be in a very small, kind of dark and and dingy space, which, to be frank, was never really inviting. It felt like Mm. you had to be one of those, like, people in the hobby to be invited in there. It's just kind of the way the space was, unfortunately. Nothing against uh, them. It's just where they were because it was from like the 1980s when it was originally, you know, from that location. So it just hadn't been sorry. updated. But right before the pandemic, they moved to a new location, like 2019. And it's the, space, the new space is amazing. 
It's so bright. It's so big. It's like six times bigger. And I'm not exaggerating. Like it's a three floor story building where the first floor is probably three times bigger than their original store. And the fact that there's three, two more floors on top of that, just it's massive. And yeah. So obviously a lot more space means a lot more availability for different types of games and different types of things that they can start offering. So the availability of things they've started to be able to give to consumers has just grown and they're continuing to grow and eventually trying to open up a space for people to play in. So hopefully by next year, they'll have an actual gaming area. So anyone who visits the Pittsburgh area can just play games there, which would be great. I don't travel a lot. So like the fact that I've been able to give two answers is, is big because I always like to just stay home. <laughs> So right, I for your third, you can just give a, an interesting Pittsburgh fact or something that you've you've been or a, a restaurant that you enjoy there because yeah. you got to eat if you're go, if you go to a city, right? It's true. Yeah, I, I mean Pittsburgh actually has a lot of good food in general, like just all types. Like you know, usually cities are like, oh, we have great pizza and that's it. Like pizza is our main staple, or Chinese is our main staple. I feel sure. like Pittsburgh just has everything, any type of food you come here for the type of food you're going to find a good place. So any type of restaurant you come for would be good. But obviously, as I mentioned earlier, the pierogies is sort of a Pittsburgh staple. So if you come to Pittsburgh, I would recommend trying to find a location that makes uh, makes pierogies. And probably personally, one of my favorite places is Butter Joint. Oh, I haven't heard of that one. Yeah, Butter Joint, which used to be Butter Joint and Legume. Legume is no longer a place. It's now just Butter Joint. Uh, has a pierogi uh, dish that is fantastic. So if you ever come to Pittsburgh, go to Butter Joint and try the pierogies. All right. Oh, I'm definitely going to do that because I love me some pierogies. Like as a kid, I was so excited when it was pierogi night. It was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Did you, did you ever go to a Pittsburgh Pirates game when they had the pierogi oh. race? Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Around the outfield, it was like the but the bacon and cheddar versus the like. Oh yes. yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, oh man, that's a memory I haven't like accessed in a very long time, and it's in the back of my head. It's like the vaguest memory. I'm just like, were there people dressed up as pierogies and mascots running around the outfield? Yeah, is that oh, a memory yeah. I have stored? Yes, no, certainly. I, what is, I want to say Mary, but that's not right. But though she had no, like a little it purse, it's the purse that she carried with a little earring and she'd always like swing and whack people with the purse. Oh yeah. man, I feel like I'm like in a movie where they just like push and you're just seeing the montage in their head come back. Wow. Yeah. Oh man, because I haven't watched, I haven't been to the like PNC Park since like Jason Kendall played. Oh, wow. Uh, that's a while. That's a while. Like I said, I was there like as a kid. But all right. I got to move on because I, I don't want to keep you here all night. I mean, like I can talk to you all night. You're you're a great guest. So don't please don't think that way. Oh, I but, appreciate it. Um, so all right. Hmm. I definitely have like a few questions I want to get and I'm like trying to decide which ones I want to ask you. I think we're going to finish the 535 game of just like saying so we, we've talked a lot about like, okay, um, you know, Ghost of Christmas and Cat in the Box are definitely these interesting 
these interesting games, trick takers, like is is a game you can't stop thinking about. Um, are there five games that you just think people should try? And it can be, you know, um, for reasons of it's just an excellent game, like like Clans of Caledonia that you were talking about earlier, or it could just be like it gives you an experience that no other game is just so wholly unique to it. Yeah. Ooh. So I feel like I want to start out with Nana on that. I know you've made a video about it, so I know Ooh. how you feel about that Ooh. game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I so Nana is one of those games where on paper, if you just read the rules, it sounds boring. It sounds like it's not a game. There's nothing to it. But once you actually start to play it, oh boy, there is just so much to the game. There's so many laughs that come from it. Any non-gamer or gamer is going to enjoy this game. And I know that's a bold statement to say any, because obviously not every game. Hey, we're making bold statements. We are. Don't worry, I'm just going to tweet at you and say, this is what he said. (laughs) Yeah, but I just feel like 95% 95% of people who play Nana are going to enjoy that game because yes, it's a memory game and it requires you to remember things. And most of the time people say, oh, my memory is terrible. I can't remember anything. That's what makes it so good. You don't actually need to have a good memory because there's just so much last that come from it. Because you're, if, if you do remember where cards are, great. Everybody's excited that you remembered where things are. But if you don't, it's hilarious when you get so like confident of going, oh, I remember you've got the one, Eric, show me your lowest. And it's a two. And you're like, oh, and everyone's like, no, that's not where the one was. And it's just such a great game, no matter what. Okay. Yeah. So, and that was, that was an aggressive start. So to continue off of that. Yeah, we're- sure. <laughs> Ooh, so for others, let's see. I feel like I got to plug another PGC game, which has got to be Bridge City Poker. And I think this is one that people have to try just because this is what got me into PGC. Okay. This is I mean, a game. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. It, it, it does such a great job at introducing people to trick-taking and climbing games, which I know that alone is like a topic. Trick-taking and climbing games are so separate from each other. When people start to say, well, what do those mean? It can People can get very one-sided about how that works. And the fact that Bridge City Poker does both of those can help people sort of introduce you to both of those mechanics all in one game. And it's pretty rules light, and it's, it's a little bit more friendly than most climbing games. So I just think it's really great for that. I agree. I agree. No, I definitely agree more with you than I did on your number one. That's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Next one. I want to say, I want to say Grinch grow your heart. So Dr. Seuss. Yeah. So this is a, excuse me while I look this one up. Yeah. So it's by Funko pop, which Funko Pop actually makes really great board games. Yes, they do. Yeah. I am very impressed with a lot of the games they make. And so Grinch, Grow Your Heart is basically Yahtzee with cards. The idea is you are trying to make a five-card hand, Uh and every round you're picking one category to score. So maybe it's one of the four suits. Maybe it's a run Maybe it's uh, all same numbers, whatever it might be. 
But once you score a category, you can't score it again. And uh, every hence round, the Yahtzee. Yeah, thing. the Yahtzee. Okay. Essentially, you you pick one thing and then you can't do it again. Wow. Okay. Yeah, but the way it works is every round, one of you is the the Grinch, mm-hmm. and every other player is uh, a part of a is a Whovillian essentially, mm-hmm. and essentially if you uh, are the Grinch, you can take cards that the Whovillians discard, but the Whovillians are sort of limited to what they draw from the draw pile, so you're thematically as the Grinch trying to steal the stuff that the Whovilles get rid of, trying to make your best hand, whereas the Whovilles are just kind of relying on whatever they're gifted among the town. It's just great. It plays very quickly. It's very silly. I feel like it's one of those games where, like, you can play with kids and your family and your grandma or grandpa. That Obviously, it's it's holiday-themed because it's the Grinch. So it's a little limited to that, but if you can give it to people outside the holidays, it's a great game. Yeah, and I mean, I'm also seeing it for like seven dollars online. It's oh, just yes. like, I mean, you can't go wrong with that price. All right, you got two more. All right. Um, and if you like can't think of any, was... I'm not going to be too strict. Okay. Yeah. So next one, I want to say is Quirky Circuits. I don't know I've if you've heard of this. Oh, Quirky. So Quirky Circuits is a cooperative. Um, oh, why am I blanking on on on? It's it's um. Oh, I've definitely seen this cover with the cat, like on a, what looks like yes. a Roomba. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't um, even know how else to describe it. I, I'm so, I'm so bad that I can't think of the mechanic right now. But um, this is a Nikki Valens uh, game, right? Yes, 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 yes it is. Um, program. There we go. Action programming. It's a cooperative action programming Ooh. game. Oh, okay. Yes. It's so good. And so there's the original Quirky Circuits, and then there was sort of a standalone expansion that also came out, which is also great. Own both. Absolutely love them. Highly recommend to anybody. And it's... So the crew, cooperative trick-taking, is kind of where I'm getting to this, the parallel of if you're into the card game scene and you like the crew... Quirky Circuits is a great transition into continuous cooperative card games. It's so good. Just the the laughs that come from it because people like, again, the action programming of players playing cards and then trying to go, oh, I know what you did. And then playing these cards on top of it. And then when you reveal it, it ends up being horribly wrong. It's just so good. (laughs) But when it works out, it's, it's even better. Yeah. Oh, that's a that's an interesting one. All right, I because I haven't heard much about it. I've just seen that cover, and I was like, "What is this?" Yeah, what? it's it, it's. I think it's a sadly underrated game. I feel like it doesn't get talked about enough, and that's why I want to raise awareness to it because it's so good. Yeah, it's rated two thousand two hundred and ninety six on Board Game Geek, so I don't know if it's even a good game at that point. <laughs> but uh, all right, and number five. Number five. I don't know how you follow up on that. I don't know either, but I feel like I want to go dexterity games to kind of like Ooh. round out all the types of games I'm going with. What a well-rounded that, portfolio. Yeah. And I feel like at that point, I want to go flip ships because I want to go another underrated dexterity game. And I feel like flip ships fits that profile perfectly. 
There are a lot of good dexterity games out there, don't get me wrong. But Flip Ships is just, I feel like personally, number one. It's a cooperative dexterity game where you're trying to eliminate all of these aliens and also the mothership. And you're doing it by flipping these little discs onto cards that are laid out on the table on top of this like mothership cardboard thing you set up together. And it's just great because, I mean, most, most of the time dexterity games, you know, the average person isn't that great at dexterity. I, me too. Like, I'm not great at I don't know about you, but dexterity can be difficult. And, I'm terrible. <laughs> yeah. And, and so flip ships it is just another one of those where, like, if you can be good at it and if you can and mark those ships appropriately, it can be great. There's obviously abilities that are in your ships and you can work together about how to do it. But when you can win in that game, which most of the time cooperative games are always hard to win in, mm-hmm. which is, is a good cooperative game. You know, it yep. should be tough to win. So when you can win, it feels great. And I feel like Flip Ships does that perfectly. Wow. Yeah. Most of those I have never played in for them. The quickest. I, I, I love hearing about this from people is just kind of, it's nice to hear games that you don't hear about all the time where it's like, Oh, this is a game that people have missed. You know, mm-hmm. oftentimes I'll be like, okay, what's a hidden gem. And it'll be like the crew. Mm, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I mean, That's that kind of reminds me one. though. Nana always makes me feel bad. I mean, when you said number one and then you said Nana, I'm like, ah, I always feel so bad. Cause that was our second video we ever did. And I already knew that so many people loved it. And that's the one that I just like could not. It makes me feel the worst that I don't agree with general consensus because I do agree with you. I think 95% of people will probably enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Like I'm so in that 5% that I'm like, I can't like have a YouTube, like I can't have a YouTube channel. And I'm just like, ah, I don't like it. Is yeah. there a game that you feel the same way on? I'm just like, either, either on the like, you love it, but everybody else hates it or you don't like I, I wouldn't say i hate no no i think it's just okay but yeah, no, no, a game that you're like everybody else loves and you just think is okay yeah this I, is I, old it, it is that that's always like it's it's rough territory when you start to get into those it's gonna be the headline of the episode so you better choose carefully yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna tag everybody in the pgc discord on this one <laughs> the thing <laughs> is i have an easy answer for that though unfortunately Ooh. and that's terraforming mars and I guess you could sort of splash it with Arc Nova as well. Oh. I don't like those games. Like, wow. I, it's, I think Terraforming Mars is like number four overall on BGG, and Arc Nova is like five or six overall. And it gets so much buzz. It gets so much love. Everybody talks about it. It's like amazing game. It's so good. But I just think it's fine at best. Like, I, I get. I get the hook of the games. I understand the like the deck and having every card is unique and everything that everybody does can always be different than another player because of the unique cards. But it's just fine because like the fact that to make usually and again my my limited plays of it is it's like you always have to go for a strategy in like terraforming Mars specifically. If you want to go something, you always have to get those tags. You have to get the same number of tags to make everything sort of combo with each other. But because every card is different and you're just drawing random cards, sure you're drafting them, but 
it's always, you know, luck of the draw, what you get if somebody doesn't hate draft against you. You're so limited to making sure you actually get them that it's like, okay, I want to go Jovian tags and I get two of them in the entire game. Well, my whole entire strategy was ruined. And it's like, I don't know. So that's how I feel about that. I mean, I'm not going to disagree with you at all. I think the only way I'd ever play Terraforming Mars is with the Prelude expansion with it. So it speeds up the first part of the game to like yeah. not three hours for sure. I haven't, I have Ark Nova sitting in shrink, but I'm worried because a lot of people and now including you that I like very much usually agree with their opinions on games don't like it. And so now I'm like, I really wanted this, but now what do I do? Yeah. I, I and I will say like, I don't, hate games like there are very few games that oh, i sure. will absolutely dislike if there's a game that i don't like i still admire its design i can understand what the designer was going for and i can understand why people like it what if it's not for me it's not for me that's fine but i can understand why people like it so i still get why people like terraforming mars and arc nova but it just it, it's still like <laughs> When I say that, I also still like it just confuses me though because it's just not that good. I don't yeah. understand why it's like top rated good. Yeah, and I wonder why if that like makes a difference too of just like when you say, hey, this is the fourth best board game of all time, and you're just like, I mean, it was fun, but I was expecting number four of all time. Yeah. And I'd rather play flip ships than this if I want to play a space themed game. Like, what am I doing here? Yeah. There's definitely one game I definitely hate, but that's for another time. <laughs> Then I think, because we were talking about reviews, I think that kind of leads me to the final question that I have for you today, which is that you have an excellent podcast of on yourself for, you. with Trick Talkers, which we've we've like tweeted back and forth at each other and stuff. I just want to know, so has having your own podcast changed the way that you look at games? Because now you're kind of in that, okay, you are developing them for PGC and then you're reviewing you know, you now know the hard work it takes to kind of do that. And then you have a podcast where you're reviewing and talking about these games. What, what is the biggest change or if any? Yeah, no, that's actually, that's a great question. And, and honestly, I feel like I haven't thought about that a lot because to me, doing the podcast was just sort of an additional outlet to something I already love. I love playing these games and I love talking about them just with my friends that I end up playing them with. So the podcast was just an additional way to continue talking about it. And the fact that anybody listens is amazing. And I'm sure you can probably agree with me on this. Like whether you have one follower or a thousand followers or a million followers, like any amount is just, is great. I, I love it. Absolutely. I, yeah. That like, anybody wants to listen to me talk about games it's like it's so heartwarming and and i feel like now that we're overall like 20 or so episodes in i will say how i talk about games has absolutely changed because at some point you do need to understand that like yes i'm still doing it because i love it and i want to talk about it but there are people that are listening like i i do have influence which sounds weird to say like <laughs> having any influence to anybody that's a dangerous thing it is yeah but like even if it's again just one person or a hundred people or whatever like it's still people that want to listen in and and might buy a game 
based on the things that I say. And because of that, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And, and like, that is really important to always keep in mind because while it's really easy to gush about games that you love, and and I know I I do this all the time. If there's a game I love, I I will nonstop talk about it. And, And as this, you know, interview has gone today and then our discussion, if I'm talking about something, I'll just keep going and it's hard to get me to stop. So whenever somebody talks about stuff like that and in our podcast, if we, we pick a game that I love, I always have to make sure to be understanding of like, it's not always for everybody. And I need to make sure that I, I kind of get that point across. And if it's a game that I don't love, it's still a game that other people might love. And, and I get that. So I want to make sure that I get both sides of the story as, as I talk about the games. For sure. I mean, I, I enjoy listening to that though. I mean, those are the people I want to listen to. I mean, of course there is a, there is um, definitely a spot in a, in a needed spot for people who are heavily critiqueful or heavily critiquing, very cynical about gaming. Like, like I definitely get the necessity of having those, but it's just nice sometimes to just turn on a podcast and it's just people who absolutely just love games and love talking about them. And for the listeners, if you want to listen to Ryan as co-host gush about games nonstop, I do recommend Trick Talkers. I'll put the link in the description below. You can also talk to him and everybody else who loves Trick Talkers, it seems like, or everybody that likes Trick Takers, I should say. My goodness. Uh, On the PGC Discord. Yeah, on the PGC Discord. I'll put the link to that as well below. But I think that is going to wrap it up for today. Arigatou gozaimashita. And thank you so much for joining. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so glad to be here. And, and obviously, I, I love everything you do. So I, I love listening to this. I'm, I'm sure I'll listen to this over again. And, and obviously, everything you do, continuing going forward. Janne. <laughs> <laughs>